0: Well, hello folks, and welcome to the Jeff Macalino Podcast, A episode I'm very excited for. I'm being joined today by comedian and author of the tremendous book, Running the Light, which I have mentioned dozens of times probably on my podcast already, uh, is Sam Talent. He also has a special out, I'll link everything, obviously I'll talk to him about it, uh, Waiting for Death to Claim Us. Hope you enjoy it. Sam Talent, I'm a big fan of his comedy, his writing. Uh, Thank goodness I just heard about his book on the Doug Stanhope podcast. And, uh, you know, thank goodness I did because I love the book. It's great. I'll talk to him about that. Buy your own copy at samtalent.com. Hey, if you're new to my podcast, subscribe wherever you're watching or listening to this, please. That will help me out a lot. Uh, If it's someplace where you can like or rate, Like me, give me a thumbs up, or rate me five stars, whatever. Um, And hopefully you uh, stick around and enjoy future episodes. So, not a long intro today. We'll dive right into it. Hope you enjoy it. All right. Now, I welcome the great comedian and author, Sam Talent, to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you, Sam?
1: Jeff. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here with uh, the one and only University of Southern Florida football fan that I've ever met. (laughs) There aren't many of us. (laughs) No. I mean, it's tough, though, because, like, UCF really fucking caught on. They're a very powerful franchise. I mean, USF is nothing to scoff at, for sure. Yeah. I mean, who played at USF?
0: Um, JPP. That's probably the biggest name. Yeah. Tavon Webster, he was with the Broncos for a while. Yes, he Um, was. So we've had a few decent NFL players, but JPP is probably the biggest. Yeah, okay. It only started in 1996, so it's still still a relatively young. Where are they? Tampa.
1: Tampa, okay. You know what's fucking strange to me, man, is uh, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina seems to be a CIA PSYOP because they came out of nowhere, and now they're just Dominating Mid-Atlantic football
0: Yeah, and how'd they get ranked so high In the preseason polls?
1: I don't know, and also they have like the weakest strength of schedule ever They're Mm -hmm. just crushing all these people continually And they're fun to watch Uh, I remember when they first went D1 And they had that little meatball of a running back He was probably like 5'6", 250 pounds He was just ping-ponging around He was a fun guy to watch because he looked like a crime against nature.
0: (laughs) Those guys are fun in college. They don't ever seem to work out beyond that.
1: Yeah, it's like, remember Ron Dane with Wisconsin? Every Wisconsin running back is like the greatest collegiate athlete ever. And then they move from Wisconsin where you're allowed to drink 15 beers a night and only eat cheese curds. (laughs) And they go to the NFL and it's like, oh, God, you can't come into camp at 275, Ron Dane. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've always credited it. It's, it's got to be Wisconsin's of, offensive line and all the cheese they get to eat. <laughs> Just oh, yeah. bulldoze the people. The lines
1: are always legendary, dude. I mean, same with Iowa when they run the single back. It's like they don't really get a lot of athletes, but they do get a lot of farm-fed big men who also probably wrestled in high school because they're from the Midwest. And, God, as a former offensive lineman, wrestling was so good for my footwork.
0: Yeah, they, I, I played football in high school not very well, not very long, because I, I got injured time after time
1: sure where'd you grow up uh
0: st petersburg florida so right oh man right you right by tampa in
1: florida jesus that must have been fucking hellish
0: it was yeah it was hot it was We're hot
1: playing with men no it's just like the the football players who come out of the south they're just like i don't know if you remember the first time you ever saw like a, a classmate have pubes <laughs> i remember i was in sixth grade this kid chris white like we were changing for a basketball game, and he just, like, pulled his shorts off. And it was full bush. And it's like, oh, you're a man, and we're still children. And no wonder you're, uh, you know, going for 20 and 15 every game. I mean, that just has to be high school football in Florida. It's just, like, the pubeless and the
0: pubed. Yeah, well, I was so slow that the only place they could play me was defensive line. And I was 135-pound freshman year, and I was going up in practice against guys who weighed 275 and 300.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's not fair. That's not <laughs> a good thing. That's bad coaching.
0: <laughs> you wonder why I got hurt.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a total disregard for a boy's life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fucking terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, d line, of course, are the dumbest people in any sport. They're pretty much just shrubs. You know, you tell them to go left or right. I mean, it's fun. Uh, nose tackles, they don't get enough love, but, like, they're just not that smart. Uh, and I'll say that here live on your podcast. Defensive yeah. tackles, probably swallow their tongues more than anyone knows about
0: (laughs) i maybe it says a lot about me i had the most fun playing nose tackle at that even at that weight because all you had to do was just absorb two blocks and try not to get knocked on your ass and And i wish i knew that more (laughs)
1: when i was in high school because they kept telling us to make plays and it's like well as a nose tackle your entire job is grab onto whatever jerseys you can get your mitts on yeah hold on if you can make the team go from 11 to 10 like you've done your job as a, as a nose tackle
0: yeah that's they don't call defensive holding on uh on nose tackles in high school football so no. that was my tactic was grab onto and, their jerseys and, and, and they, go dude, down
1: fix is in dude that means mystical has a kid on the team <laughs> i don't know if you ever saw that uh there was a great like mtv followed around mystical and uh it was like a day in the life of him, and he went to like a middle school football game. And at halftime, he pulls the quarterback aside and just shows him a lump of money. Like they don't, they don't have mics on him, or they chose not to use it. But he just shows the kid a lump of money, and then the team proceeds to win by like 35 points. And then mystical gives like goes up tuck some money into the kids shoulder pads Like he clearly tried to fix the game Jesus. and that's the kind of gambling i want to get into is fixing regional middle school football games i think that's fun
0: it's it's got to be easy to get away with
1: yeah and also who's running that book you know, like, we're fucking degenerate is like, oh man, St. Cross is uh, is playing fucking Jefferson. We got to get this line down to minus thirteen. It's just, it, it some, was a crazy life. Some kid's
0: alcoholic uncle sits under the bleachers, <laughs> takes the yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, I, I coach uh, my son's flag football team, his eight U oh, nice. flag football team, and they they they've always had a super team that has not lost a game or has not lost a game, and they have. The closest game they ever had was against my team in the championship game. Uh, we, we had it 10 6 until the last play. I sent an all out and they scored a touchdown, but it's the last play. If we didn't get a pick six, we, we lost anyway. So
1: You did the right thing, man. You tried to rattle their mind.
0: Yeah. It didn't work. Is it
1: effectively 7 on 7?
0: It's 5 on 5.
1: Okay. Yeah, so, well, how do you, how, how do you tell if you can rush the passer? Is it like a 3 Mississippi count?
0: You have to line up where the uh, I think it's 7 yards back. Okay. And you can blitz right on the snap. Okay. Otherwise, you can't cross the line of scrimmage until the ball's been handed off or passed.
1: I see. Is there a lot of uh, running the ball in five-on-five flag football?
0: At 8U level, there is, because kids can't throw and kids can't catch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember those days. I remember playing football from third to sixth grade before we got into the school program. My dad was my coach. Third grade, we lost every game. Fourth, fifth, and sixth, we didn't lose a game except for one, which was hotly contested. And I don't think we threw a forward pass once in those four years.
0: That's, uh, That's actually why my teams tend to be good, is because... I just kind of uh, I, I just cross my fingers and hope the other team's going to throw the ball a lot because people yeah. fall in love with it, but it's just more likely than not you're going to throw interceptions, not completions. <laughs> they yeah. just throw the ball up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, So, Sam, I, uh, I, I had to ask you to come on the podcast because I've mentioned this book on my podcast. I think this is episode 43, okay. a- and somebody had told me that I've mentioned this book at least a dozen times in the... First forty-two episodes. <laughs>
1: uh, Jeff, I appreciate that,
0: man. Thank you. <laughs> it's uh just a, an awesome book. Um, and I heard of it first when Doug Stanhope. Uh, I think this is before you even met Stanhope when yeah. he brought it up on his podcast. Um, the king, man. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, a big fan of his. Um, and you know, he said it's the most realistic book I've read about stand-up comedy because it's been yeah. a lot of movies and and stuff that are. Uh, even as someone who's only done open mics, I can tell are really exaggerated and awful. Um, oh, yeah. Not that I've ever traveled the road, but I feel like, um, well, I'm glad I have children and I'm kind of tied away from doing this, um, yeah. because I feel like I could be a very similar character if I was just left out there on the road with no oh, yeah. obligations. Man, if you're, a,
1: if you're a stray dog just on the road, I mean, it's very easy to go feral unless you have, like, responsibilities. And the guy in my book, for sure, grew tusks and doesn't know how to get rid of them. You know, he's just a fucking razorback out there in the brush just trying to take down birds. And uh, it's good that you have, uh, you know, people you love and uh, things you like doing besides cocaine and bathroom sex. I think that's an <laughs> admirable trait in any,
0: any man. So good for you, dude. Yeah. Now, no, it's not to say I turn it down. but
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, you live a big, bold, beautiful life, I understand. But, you know, you have your priorities. That's yes. it.
0: And, uh, I don't
1: think Billy Ray ever coached any of his kids' games. No, I, don't I think he attended any of them.
0: Right, exactly. I, yeah. I doubt he even knew they were in them. <laughs> but that's uh oh
1: yeah, no, he for sure like uh, probably forgot about his kid's birthday. So he like was at the airport and probably came home with like an arena football league jersey and was like, <laughs> "Hey, I know you're into football. Here you go, kid. It's like some <laughs> team that he's never heard of." That's the parenting that Billy Ray would provide.
0: Yeah, one one thing I thought was was one of the greatest things in the book. Um, and by the way, you you wrote this yourself. Uh, yeah. The writing is amazing. I mean, it's thanks, man. It's it, it, you wrote it. I think I'd heard you say maybe it was on Stanhope's podcast. But you wrote it relatively quickly. It sounded like.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, because I've like been asked that question enough that now I think I've whittled it down. I think it's between. I know it wasn't a a year. I think it was like 10 months. It was like the first draft was done in 10 months. And uh, obviously there's an editing process after that. But like having it out of your head and being like, oh, okay, now I can shape it better. I think that process began right around between eight and 10 months.
0: And uh, uh, the the part, I'm going to reread this book. So by the way, don't ask me, friends and family, to borrow this because you can go buy your own at samtalent.com. Yeah, yeah, uh,
1: T-A-L-L-E-N-T. And if you're an audiobook person, uh, you can get it wherever audiobooks are sold as well.
0: And that's um, awesome, isn't it? The audiobook has a bunch of different comics on it, right? It's
1: got 14 different comics. Stanhope reads it, uh, Canane, you know, Mark Maron. Uh, the only complaint that I've heard is, is Tim Dillon. Uh, I guess, you know, Tim Dillon is an incredible busy man. And the fact that he was willing to take time out of his very lucrative schedule to read a chapter is, uh, I'm always indebted to him. But I guess people say that he kind of like stepped on the gas towards the end, and of course he did. I don't know if you've ever had to read something aloud for over an hour, but it's a nightmare. Oh. I'd rather like trade in my teeth than have to do that. So, <laughs> thank you, Tim. Uh, and if you complain, don't don't do it publicly. All right, just DM
0: me, please. <laughs> it it took everyone about an hour to do theirs. I imagine Burt Kreischer's chapter took about eight
1: oh dude god bless him bert, <laughs> you know uh he finally figured out how to say the word to carry uh, which is a city in new mexico where the first show takes place and uh the, the first the first uh thing he says is like a to and then uh he, he says the, the name to carry like six different ways and uh we got them all on tape <laughs> but yeah i mean everyone makes fun of bert for not being able to read uh he definitely turned in a, a very nice performance, so I'm grateful for him. No, that's I... the thing about this book, dude. Is like Stanhope. Uh, he championed it first, and then he got it to Kreischer, and then I got on Kreischer's pod, and then like, you know, enough steam was built that like, you know, Ari and uh, and uh, you know, uh, Mark Marin had me on his podcast. Like, it's just been totally organic, and it's all just because Stanhope took a like to it. Because everyone respects Stanhope. It doesn't matter who you are in comedy, you have to know that he's one of the greatest to ever do it. So I just fucking. And also now to become his friend is, like, one of the coolest things to ever happen.
0: Yeah, and it's touching to see from uh, from from someone who had a, a midlife crisis. I'm 34, but I, I figured the way I live, midlife is fair. Um, oh, yeah, I'm
1: 34, too, dude. Oh, no. I think it's all
0: borrowed time. I know what you're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, this is whiskey, and it's 2.14 p.m. Eastern time. So Oh,
1: that's a lot of whiskey, Jeff.
0: I, I start with a pint glass.
1: <laughs> okay, good for you.
0: Yeah, not healthy, but um, I love as someone who decided to try to fiddle in the comedy field at, at a later age than than normal. Um, uh, seeing how much support that really everyone get, gave, I mean it, yeah. it. You know, it was kind of touching to see from an outsider's perspective. Just like one guy, and Stanhope, I think you're right. Has to be. I know there's certain cliques of comedians Who probably don't like the other ones And, and I'm sure there's some some Things that uh, Differences between people Stanhope seems to just kind of be over all of that
1: Oh yeah, Stanhope doesn't give a shit About anyone's opinions uh, Which is why he's the greatest But yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest victory and I mean, for instance, the audiobook Like Chris Gethard has a very specific Fan base And Chris an old friend of mine And he's never been anything but excellent to me and then I think that Tim Dillon and Ari Shafir have a very specific fan base. And the fact that that Venn diagram loops over and the only thing in the middle is they each read a chapter in my audiobook. Like I'm very proud of how, you know, across the board, just comedians in general, fucking, uh, someone told me like two weeks ago that they were at the cellar in New York and they saw Louis CK reading my book at a table. And I was like, well, that's, you know, one of the better things I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, you know, right. Obviously,
1: Louis has a problematic uh, situation, but he is one of the best comics ever. And on, you know, I have the uh, most respect for him on stage. And uh, it's just—it's crazy all the comics who have said they liked it. I don't know if Norm ever read it, but uh, I know he owns some copies.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, and uh, uh, obviously sadder to talk about that now uh, yeah. but but Norm Macdonald not to spoil the book by any means but Norm Macdonald has a pretty substantial cameo in it yeah. um, and my god I would have thought that you consulted with Norm to write, <laughs> Nor- that's how good the writing authentic it sounds it reads like Norm Macdonald
1: thanks Jeff, yeah I'm really excited that uh, I didn't blow it I was so scared about that of not sounding like, a, not actually being able to write in Norm's voice but People have been very nice and said
0: that it sounds like him. And I never
1: fucking met the guy, but I don't know if there's a better comedian ever. I think he's the funniest person to ever do stand-up.
0: I, I said when he when he passed away, um, Twitter's a nasty cesspool, of course, 99% of the time. When he passed yeah. away, obviously it was very sad, but I'm like, this is the best I've ever seen Twitter in my life because everybody in the world, no matter why I follow them, was posting Norm MacDonald clips on Twitter. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is, it's so sad, but this is the best day ever. I just watched 20 hours of Norm for over yeah. a week.
1: Oh, yeah. Do you, you ever watch those clips on YouTube, the I'm not Norm guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that guy must have seen a fucking spike in his money. Just, as soon oh, yeah. as Norm died, that guy must have been just fucking, he probably like bought a new house off of everyone mourning Norm. <laughs>
0: Pro- probably, probably. Yeah. It's uh, because it's, I subscribed to him a- afterwards, and oh, I yeah. just went down to his channel and was just clicking on stuff.
1: Oh, he's the greatest, man. I don't know what he's up to, but his borderline scary obsession with Norm MacDonald has really been comforting to so many people.
0: But yeah. Yeah, I, I hope he somehow... I don't know, re- related or somehow connected to norms, <laughs> since Dude. he's presumably making money off of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how monetization works on YouTube, but I think he's probably okay.
0: Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um. So speaking of YouTube, uh, I also got your special uh, waiting for death to claim us.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I've now watched it twice. Which. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's um. I watch a ton of comedy, and I rarely watch things more than once unless I'm going back for a specific joke. I watched that sure. full, all the way through two times. It's really good. That's um, a huge
1: compliment. Thank you, Jeff. I don't ever watch comedy more than
0: once, so that's really nice to hear. Yeah, I very, very rarely do. And I'm yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go back and watch the, the joke about walking in on your wife. I'm going to go yeah. back and watch that at least a dozen more times over the next few <laughs> months. It had me... Here's the other thing, and you... Probably are similar. When I watch stand up, I yeah. rarely laugh out loud. Right. I typically, when I'm watching at home by myself, I'll typically be nonverbal or maybe be like, that was funny. Yeah. I was laughing hysterically by myself on my couch watching that oh, bit man. both times.
1: <laughs> that rules. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, yeah that- I think that's the curse of liking stand up so much, is eventually it just becomes like math, you know? Like you're like, oh, yeah, that's the correct way to do that joke. Okay, yeah, I didn't see that coming. You know, you're not, like, hooting and hollering, but but. Jane Gillis' special made me laugh aloud. That was really funny. Yes,
0: his was awesome, too. Yeah. Uh, And his is also on YouTube. Um, That's right.
1: His is free, Uh, which I wish I could have put mine out for free, but I had a production company involved, so they wanted to make their money back.
0: Yeah, no, no. Well, yours is very well produced. I mean, you had three... It looked like three cameras traveling with you for... cameras
1: for 14 different shows. Uh, We shot it over, like a year Um, I think we started in September of 2019 and ended the day before quarantine was enacted like March 14th of 2020 so yeah and those are old high school friends of mine like I've known the director since we were in Montessori school and I've known the cinematographer since like third grade the whole reason that special looks cool which I really do think it looks like unique and kind of like arty if you will is because the cinematographer uh, he just always shot skateboarding videos so mm. it just looks it has like a real like it feels like you're in the room yes And also something i'm proud of that i didn't even think about but the god the greatest of all time at riffing rory Scoville he hit me up and he was like i watched this and i gotta tell you it was really cool how you showed the audience even when they weren't laughing like i guess a lot of specials only cut to the audience when they're losing it and there's uh, two or three times that we put in there where there's like a woman or a man who is visibly upset that they're at the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm happy that we did that on accident because it just shows what it's like out there. There's there's part in that Minneapolis uh, part in Sisyphus Brewing where there's a woman who uh, refuses to look at me, but also won't look into the camera. So she's just kind of like dead-eyed and vacant <laughs> looking straight ahead. And it's like, damn. We really captured what it's like out there.
0: <laughs> well, that was the beauty of it was it was twofold. You felt like you were in the club watching you perform, yeah. and well, thank you. You also it almost had the vibe of of the book to an extent where we're also traveling with you. We're yeah. seeing you go from venue to venue. You have the nice cuts of little little bits in between that shows you, you know, sitting next to uh, the Cincinnati Reds mascot and stuff. <laughs> yeah, just too little too. things like that. You getting a tattoo. <laughs> um, yeah. It was a nice... The
1: Cincinnati part, dude, like, they, the director was waiting for a cloud to clear in the sky. So I just sit there and riff with that fucking mascot on that bench for, like, 40 minutes. And then, of course, we used, what? Two seconds <laughs> it's like come on man quit directing so hard let's go get some cannolis
0: <laughs> and it was it was very interesting and obviously not intentional and maybe maybe it actually hurt you and um that it it came up to where covid shutdown started happening yeah yeah and i like you didn't put the date in there until it became part of the Part of a thing You didn't put, you know, October 2019 Because I'm watching it And I, the, in the beginning I'm like I wonder when he shot this If this was pre-COVID or post-COVID mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I loved the way And, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if this was your decision or not But the way you did not Unless I missed it You didn't put the date in there Until COVID started affecting things
1: Yeah, I mean And that was a decision that Comedy Dynamics made They were like We're going to put the date in here To give this some kind of stakes And like a B-plot And I didn't really wanna like milk that teat, you know? But I mean, it it ended up being smart because I think people like to know, you know, In for instance, that pinball bar, uh, the one in Kansas City, that show was canceled that morning. uh, Like the venue was canceled. So we had to scramble and the only place available was this weird pinball bar in Kansas City, Kansas. And like, that is a fun thing to know, I think, for the viewer that we didn't wanna be in this room and it's not really conducive to comedy, but hey, we did it. And, and you had to and, blur uh, out all, all the pinball machines. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, that was fucking so stupid. <laughs> like, my director not realizing that we couldn't use any of those entities. Uh, I mean, God bless them. We were all scrambling, man. And also, you know, after the shows, we were all having a couple cocktails. You know, we were – I was having cocktails on stage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we did our best, man.
0: Yeah, no, it it came out excellent, and you're very funny, uh, which you. is obviously the – I mean, that's 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 the main key. Um, the, um, one, the, now this is where I'm going to go, uh, inside baseball comedy nerd stuff that will, yeah. will lose my, uh, my parents, uh, and those kind of listeners, but, um,
1: the, uh,
0: the way that you hold the microphone or I should say the microphone stand, I was fascinated yeah. by that because I've been trying to pay more attention I'm a uh, I hold as close to the top without being aggressively. Um, yeah, I hold
1: like, it, uh, like rap battle style.
0: Yeah, I hold, because I'm so conscientious of knowing exactly not getting too close because I'm a very yeah. loud person, but not getting too far. Fo- so I know you're holding way down here. So you, I mean, I guess that part of that's just experience and knowing where the mic's going to be and second yeah, nature.
1: <laughs> I think that me, I think I know like I have a relatively decent understanding of like how far the mic, like the proximity from the mic to my lips, is, but. I hold the mic stand in the air and like it dangles, you know, a couple inches off the ground because I used to have a tendency to lean into punchlines. So it was like kind of like I think it was a hacky, like a subconscious decision to, you know, and here's the punchline, And I would lean in and a couple of my friends called me out for it. So now I can't lean into it if it's in the air. You right. Know? Like <laughs> if it's like if it's physically on the ground, I'm already hunched over because I'm 6'4". So like the mic stand's never really tall enough to get as close as I need it. So I would lean over, and then I just do this like real like fucking vaudeville, like, and here's the punchline. Yeah, My friends were like, "God, you don't really, need to, you don't need to do that." Like, that's like an old fucking hacky carny trick. And I was like, "Okay." So now I hold it up in the air to prevent myself from being the hack that I
0: am. No, oh, that's yeah. interesting. See, I, and and I I'm probably one of the only people who will ever bring that up from watching your no, special. That's
1: a great point, Jeff. Yeah, no, I haven't been asked anything about that, man.
0: Yeah. Well. I, hopefully, I'm the only one. Hopefully, that's a unique uh, observation. That I have. Oh yeah. <laughs> the um. So jumping back, and I know a little more of your backstory than than because I've I've kind of I went on a Sam Talent binge. Not even before I asked you when Stanhope started talking about you, and you went and stayed with Stanhope yeah. uh, in Bisbee, which. <laughs> I've,
1: You'd fit in real well with that pint of whiskey at two in the afternoon. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> I mean, part of me thinks I would. I would just never come back. I'd just be like, "Yep, this is my home now."
1: <laughs> oh no, he would ask you to leave at some point. <laughs> He's very good about setting boundaries.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I do need I do need my own Tracy though because I'm
1: getting low. <laughs> oh, dude, Tracy's such an angel. Everyone down there is just like. I mean, it seems like you're walking into some kind of freak show, but. They're just people who are like liberated and have decided to not do anything they hate and they all love each other and it's a real family. I mean, everyone says it's a cult, but it's, it's not a cult because Doug's not the leader. Doug's just another wheel in the cog of what's going on down there, you know? Uh, they just all happen to like work for Doug in a way. So, but they're all, he wouldn't, ha- he wouldn't let them live on the compound if he didn't love them dearly.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, one thing, actually, I've mentioned this on my podcast before, but one thing I did, the reason I actually started to do stand-up and started a podcast, a year and a half ago, I started writing uh, a a dark comedy screenplay, and uh, uh, I've I've written about two at this point that are like 70% done, but I, I was writing it, and I was... It was coming out way too dark and not enough comedy. <laughs> sure. So one of the first people, actually, I think the first person I reached out to was Doug Stanhope. I sent him an email, and I thought he's never going to reply. Less than thirty minutes later, I had a reply from Stanhope. Oh my god! <laughs> and, uh, and and the and, and I'm sure the first part, I'm sure the whole thing was somewhat of a form email, but the first part he said, "Who do you think you are? You're, you're Jeff fucking Macalino. You're not a ideas man." And then he said, "But seriously." If you start... Just finish it. He's like... Nothing might happen with it... But... If you finish it... It might sit in a drawer in a desk... And every time you open that drawer... You'll, you'll smile knowing that you finished it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like... Oh man... I gotta finish this shit. <laughs> For sure. Did uh... And, and that's... That's... And then I ended up reaching up, out to some other comedians... And the ones who responded all said... If it's not funny enough... Start doing stand-up and start a podcast... Because... You'll have to find a way to be entertaining or funny... Because yeah. otherwise, it's survival instinct. If you can't make them laugh, you're going to die. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Your, your ego will kick in, and it's fight or flight. Hopefully, you, you survive, you
0: know? Yeah. My my very first time, I'll tell you this. Very first time I do an open mic, there are 15 co- comics who are coming in and out. You know, they're not paying attention. And where is this? Uh, St. Pete Beach, a place okay. called Coconuts. Um, Jim Brewer actually got his start there. Um and he went on Rogan's podcast, and the next time I went to do stand-up was that week, and the place was packed. <laughs> Whoa. It was my second time going up on stage, and I had, a, I'm like, oh, man, I I wasn't ready for this. I, that's a result of the Brewer bump? Uh, well, I think the Rogan bump. <laughs> or it sure, could have yeah. just been a coincidence, because <laughs> packed. You don't,
1: call it the, you don't call it the Brewer effect? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah pa- packed being like 30 40 people um that's
1: huge for an open mic
0: yeah yeah uh, audience yeah. members yeah but the first yeah. time i did it nine audience members and six of them were my friends and family
1: oh that's the worst man A- and Every i had comic my f- makes that mistake right away
0: yeah well in my first joke i had an easy setup punchline bam i was gonna hit it now none of these six people are comedy club people either so they're not really – like, you know, you give a courtesy laugh if something's kind of funny just because you're yeah. there and you want to acknowledge it. Well, they're not going to laugh. So I give this punchline and crickets. And I'm like, oh, no, I was doing this for a layup for my – because I just wanted to get the first laugh out of the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, you were setting the table. And then they fucking – oh, that's, that's – They blew cool. it. Do you remember what the first joke was?
0: I do. I do. It was – uh
1: Tell me the joke, Jeff.
0: Um, I won't be able to do it at – well, I probably didn't do it that well then. But I was, I, I was talking about how lazy I was okay. and that uh, I, I was going to eat and I had a, a sink full of dishes and I had no clean forks. So I went on Amazon Prime and I same, ordered same-day delivery for a dozen stainless steel forks. Okay. So the joke being, and that, that was the punchline, the joke being that I'm so lazy, instead of washing a fork, I went on Amazon Prime to okay. order a fork. All right, Jeff. Uh, so, not yeah. a great, not a great joke, but it <laughs> was better.
1: Okay? It's your first time. <laughs> it,
0: I, I, I. I, I <laughs> uh, uh, that, now uh, that, uh, I mean, there's a
1: premise there. You know, there's a premise there. The bone, you seem to know how to
0: get it off. Well, that was that was the problem. Is I had I had I'm, I mistook, and I think everyone probably goes through this. I mistook having some good premises and no punchlines for being a good set. <laughs> sure (laughs) and then you realize wait wait i've got a good premise and and even we'll get laughs at the premise but then i've got nothing to follow
1: (laughs) yeah when the premise gets a bigger laugh than the punchline oh what a slow death that is
0: or or when the premise is the punchline and you don't have it's like oh no
1: and you did that thing where you brought your friends and family
0: i didn't even i just told them i was doing it i didn't Mm -hmm. think they were going to show up (laughs) sure if they um, love
1: you and supported you
0: yes and i i yeah, told them not great. to do that again <laughs> now <laughs> i think I i'd know, be dude. okay
1: <laughs> well yeah i mean after doing stand-up for like you know as I've, I've been doing it like 15 years or so the only time i'm ever nervous at all is when i have friends and family there you know like i always want them to sit as far away from the stage as possible i love performing for strangers and i think that it's easier to learn in front of strangers because a stranger in an open mic your first time, you're not going to have to talk about how bad you did at work the next day. You know, they're not going to keep asking you at Thanksgiving like, "So, are you are you still doing that?" because they saw you the worst you ever are is the first time you do stand up. <laughs> yeah, if there's any new comics listening, don't don't bring the family out until you uh, you know, aren't wearing a fucking proverbial diaper.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh Uh, the, the, the key is don't tell them you're going to try until you've done it and you're good at it. So if they show up,
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Tell them you're going to do it your first time after you've done it 25 times. (laughs) That would have been great. Oh yeah. That's a real smooth. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to go try out this thing. And then it's like, everyone at the mic's like, Hey Jeff, how you doing? You're like, I don't know what they're fucking talking about. It's good to be here.
0: (laughs) I just have a familiar face with someone who has the same name as me. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's uh, that was a mistake um i have a very supportive family so no <laughs>
1: yeah that's beautiful that's good so i do too my my mom and dad you know they were there at the beginning and my dad came uh to, to boston with me this weekend and you know came and watched me do some shows so that was fun
0: yeah the um uh, one thing i <laughs> i wanted to ask you what does yeah. your uh and and obviously the the caveat being that not all comedy is based in actual fact but um I've always, I'm have always i divorced, so I, I, I've i always said sometimes there's an easy slam dunk on an ex-wife. I, it, it's nothing personal to her. It's just, it could be an easy slam dunk. You're married. Yeah. Um, what does your wife think of your comedy, especially when she's involved in it?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, like, the beauty of my comedy is that I'm a huge liar, and, like, <laughs> nothing that ever happens in my act has actually happened on, in real life. Like, there's a bit, I think, in that special about Russell, which is my uh, you know, my wife's brother. He isn't real. My wife doesn't have any <laughs> brothers. So people will always come up to me and be like, what's Russell think of that bit? And it's like, well, he, he's not real. These are jokes. <laughs> None of this uh, is, you know. I'm sorry if that ruins the veneer for all of you. But uh, my wife has asked, like, one time, uh, I did, she's from Detroit, and I did a Christmas show in Detroit. And her all of her family was there, was like thirty-five family members. And at the time I was closing with that uh that pickle that pickle jar joke, the oh, one that you like, the wife masturbating <laughs> joke. And she like stopped me but right before I went on stage and she's like, Can you please not do that joke? And I was like, Don't worry, baby, I got it figured out. And I just changed it from wife to girlfriend. I had a girlfriend who used to do this, but then halfway through the bit it just right goes back to wife. So not only have I fucking made it worse. I've also made it confusing because I opened with I had a girlfriend to I walked in on my wife masturbating, so yeah, no, uh, she's cool. She never complains. Uh, she's, I mean, she's a saint, and also she's fucking mean as hell about me uh, off stage. You know, she's really gives me the business too, but <laughs> she she gets it, uh, and you know, I I know that that bit in particular is the only time where she's been like, please. Don't do this. My coworkers are here. There was like two or three times where she asked me to change it, and I was like, "They know I'm lying," and they're like, "No, these people are stupid." <laughs> what? No, they're your family.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the. Uh, and I did have, in all seriousness, I have "Is Russell real?" written down right nice, here. I yeah. wanted to ask you that because I'm yeah. like, I'm guessing not. I hope not. <laughs> no, he sounds well, awful.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll uh I'll write a joke and then I'll try and figure out how to fit it into you know just like a running piece that i have just always try to figure out how to tag longer stuff or set up shit for so it flows a little bit better and like that 40 minutes i mean we i had like i had an hour that i was originally going to put on that special and then it ended up just being like we you know we sat and we edited it for like three months during quarantine and all the stuff that i liked the most all the stuff that the crew liked the most was was not in my act so that's why you have all those like riffs and uh you know bits of crowd work in there, because that's just funnier shit.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I did, like, that hour flowed, so it was like, you know, set up Russell, oh, he's a gay camp counselor, and then, you know, he's like, I just made this, like, very nefarious man that I could make be the villain in, you know, yeah, I don't know, it was solid, but yeah, I'm a fucking liar, dude, nothing nothing has happened to
0: me. I have actually done a similar thing where I've created a friend, except for I actually... Named him after the name of one of my kind of outer circle friends. Yeah. No, but it's not him. Right. <laughs> but I use him as the straw man of this awful douchebag. It's it's yeah. him. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, straw man. That's exactly what it is. Hell
0: yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 good to know that I'm uh, I'm I'm not good at comedy yet, but at least I got the I got some of the basics. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: the basics are pretty much just lie. Uh, anything you can do to get a laugh, do it. Um you know, don't care if you hurt your loved ones. That's pretty much all I've just been saying so far. You know, those are my <laughs> rules of comedy. It's very Machiavellian.
0: <laughs> Be horrible.
1: Yeah, exactly. The ends justify the means. You know, think like Stalin up there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, um, uh, one thing I, and I know you've been asked this, um, this is jumping back to running the light. Um, I know you've been asked about uh, Billy Ray Shaver and who uh, Who you visualized When you did it and I know It wasn't really a specific person necessarily um, And I think Stan Hope brought up That this would make a great movie um, yeah. Had you ever uh, I mean I don't know what the hell The process is to, to turn a book Into a movie um, yeah. have, you, have you thought about that Or tried to uh, Go that route at all
1: yeah man so like uh the option rights were I sold the option rights to these brothers who uh live in London and they've made movies from novels. They were just nominated for an Australian Best Picture for uh, The True History of the Kelly Gang, which is an adaptation of a novel that I loved. So when I found out that they did that book uh and turned it into a movie, I was like cool. But now I'm in the process of I really want to write the screenplay but they want to get like a big name screenplay writer to write it so it's easier to sell Like if you have like you know some name attached to it and so that's I mean I don't know dude it there's a there's a great like hunter or no who was it uh, Ken Kesey wrote uh, you know one flew over the cuckoo's nest and his rule when he published it was like never turn this into a movie but he didn't say that they could turn it into a, they couldn't turn it into a play so they like wrote it as a play and then that movie was like based off the play so that's the loophole they got oh. so he notoriously hated the adaptation the movie adaptation of Cuckoo's Nest and someone asked him once they were like so um, have you seen the movie based on your book and he's like well let me ask you this if someone told you that a bunch of hell's angels were going to rape your daughter on your lawn would you buy a ticket to that <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of like where I'm at with the movie is like look if they fuck it up you know I make some money it's out of my hands uh, I can't be blamed for it I wrote a great book and I'm very proud of it and whatever happens to it now hopefully it sells some more books because I still own all the rights to the books you know so everything I do is just like hopefully more people buy the book hopefully more people read the book and I'm fingers crossed the movie's good but uh, I don't know what it's going to look like man
0: Gotcha. Well, and that's a that's
1: there was this. A, 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 I'm sorry. I don't know if it's yeah. even a good story if I can even tell the story. But early on in the uh, adaptation process, like the first screenwriter, screenwriter they talked to was this like very famous uh, writer of films in the UK, and his big idea was to have the personification of death, like the hooded, you know, uh, the Grim Reaper, riding shotgun with Billy Ray Schaefer. Uh, and when they told me that. I was in New Orleans and I went up to the bar on the phone and I was like, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a fine, you know, it's it's an idea. What are you going to (laughs) do? Double bourbon, double bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) I just started drinking it like two because I was like, fuck, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah. That's uh. hopefully they don't go that
1: route. (laughs) Yeah. He's currently not attached anymore, but. uh, Good. Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I, I hope we can uh, – John C. Riley would be the one that I – if I could cast it, I would love for him to play Billy Ray Schaefer.
0: I, I, actually, I hadn't thought about that. that. He would be great.
1: Or also, looking at you, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but Danny McBride would also be very good.
0: Yes. Uh, by the way, the reason I have this – is because uh, my friends convinced me to be Kenny Powers for Halloween. For so. Halloween,
1: dude, I wasn't gonna bring it up early because I thought it was hacky. But uh, yeah, you've got a fucking hardcore Kenny Powers thing going on.
0: I went to a Rays game and yeah. I didn't wear my hat because I—it's I, kind of messy oh now. My but God,
1: it's even crazier without the hat. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, it's it's uh, and it's wet right now. When it's dry, it gets. It's pretty similar, Uh, and I have the Kenny Powers uh, uh, Myrtle Beach Merman jersey uh, that I have ready for Halloween, and I'm like, you know what? These are about the same colors as the Rays. I'll just wear this, because at least now I'm not spending 30 bucks for one time use of it. Um, No, I know. People were taking pictures and videos of me all night, and the problem was, they wanted me to be Kenny Powers. Yeah. Like, they're like, I'm like, uh hi. They're like, no, man, that's not Kenny Powers. I'm like... Uh, you're fucking out! Yes. I had oh, no yeah. voice you're at the gonna, end of the night. You're gonna crush on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> you're
1: gonna get so much weird pussy for being <laughs> Penny Powers. That's gonna rock. <laughs> Give me an update after Halloween. Let me know how the night goes for you.
0: Yeah, it, it'll it probably end with me uh, getting blackout drunk and Ubering home.
1: Yeah, that's okay. You know? That's That's Still normal. a victory. Yeah, <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the one night where it's like acceptable.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you get home that's a huge victory.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you don't
1: wake up outside or on a toilet, you you've done your job.
0: <laughs> well that's that's one thing. I, I haven't been able to craft the stand up yet. I am a uh, as you can probably tell, as I've already refilled and had a backup cup with ice uh, yeah. while while we've been talking. I drink a lot. Um yeah. and I, I black out a lot. And uh-huh. when I first started blacking out I used to wake up... Like, I didn't know blacking out and passing out were different things at first. Like, I thought I must have fallen asleep in the last place I remember. But then I always woke up in my bed. And yeah. I never questioned how I got there. Oh,
1: yeah. It's
0: like, how much was an ass... How much of an asshole is it that it's like, oh, my friends must have just carried me upstairs and thrown me in my bed?
1: Oh, yeah, dude. I've, uh... I've had two instances recently where I bought a cowboy hat for a wedding. And I've been... <laughs> wearing the cowboy hat. I'm very, I wore it to the wedding and I wore it to my wife's birthday party and both times I blacked out. <laughs> and, uh, the first time I like was not allowed to play blackjack in, uh, in, uh, South Dakota. Cause I was like fucking visibly way too drunk. And like they were, that wasn't that bad, but I guess at my wife's birthday party we had here at the house and I had fucking got tanked and we had all these, uh, all these citrus fruits and the last thing that I remember is my wife yelling at me because I'd thrown a bunch of grapefruits at passing cars and on the roof our <laughs> house. So I'm right there with you. I got to not wear the cowboy hat when there's a drink in my hand.
0: <laughs> that's the, uh, yeah, that's the, uh, it, it's bad when you see a video of yourself and you're like, oh, shit. I thought I must have been sleeping somewhere when this happened.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, I have no memory of me being this person. And also, it's great because, like, when I woke up after my wife's birthday, all of our friends and family stayed over. So, I just woke up to a very eager bunch of people (laughs) who were just very excited to tell me what a fucking ass I was the night before. So, that was its own personal hell. To be hungover and also
0: being shamed by your loved ones. (laughs) Good God. Roll... They have tied. The world damn tied. By the way, at that open mic, my very first one where I just bombed for the first two and a half, three minutes, the first joke I got that landed was I was talking about my doctor and I was doing an act out and I said, went to the University of Florida, go Gators. And everyone laughed. Because that's the thing down here is all the Gators fans and most of them, uh, you know, mowed my grass. Mm-hmm. But they're Gators fans, yeah. and they are right. just constantly go Gators, go Gators. So that's yeah. kind of the same as. That. So I did laugh at that too. I'm like, yeah, that's how I got my first laugh, completely unscripted.
1: Oh yeah, Attaboy. I wish, uh, I wish that we had something cool. Like, I, we don't have. I don't have like a college football fandom here because we had the Broncos, you know, and like it's just very different uh, in Colorado because no one gives a shit about the fucking CU Buffaloes, CSU Rams. Who cares? No one gives a fuck. So I'm always envious of people who were, went to Auburn or Clemson or uh you know fucking Alabama or uh, you know anywhere in the south cuz that football heritage is so cool.
0: Yeah, that's uh until uh and I'm a Saints fan but uh until the Bucks got Tom Brady. Yeah. No one around here gave gave a shit about the Bucks. Uh it but was mostly
1: <laughs> I grew up watching those all stop work done backfields. That was a
0: lot of fun, man. Oh yeah, no, that was a that was that was a, th- there was a bandwagon back then. But after yeah. the Super Bowl in 2002, they slowly drifted away, and uh, there were there were no Bucks fans until yeah, they yeah, got rid. Was Trent Dilfer your quarterback? Trent Dilfer was the quarterback in the for late the 90s. Team? No, um, he was the quarterback for the Ravens Super Bowl right, team. Right, I though. know
1: that's where he got his...
0: Uh, Brad Johnson was the quarterback.
1: Brad Johnson, what a fucking nameless stiff he was. Yeah,
0: and he went to FSU, so everyone liked him already because... Sure. Florida, FSU, Miami, they're the ones who didn't graduate middle school. The Miami okay, fans. <laughs>
1: you're, you're from Florida. Have you ever heard this joke, which I've been doing... Uh, you know, Gatorade obviously uh, was invented down there, University of Florida, right? It was Gatorade, right? Right. Uh, you don't want to know what the Seminoles were drinking.
0: I have not heard this joke.
1: Okay, well, it didn't work with you, but you know, Seminal s- Fluid.
0: S- s- <laughs> yes, Semenade, Seminal Fluid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. Anyway, you can have that Jeff.
0: <laughs> no, I, I had a rough response to one when I was I was mocking dentistry, because I think dentistry is a scam. Not okay. dentists, yeah. but the whole, the, the teeth cleaning and all. Sure. Anytime that you go someplace and they keep trying to sell you add-ons, like, uh-huh. hey, here's this special mouthwash, or do you want this fluoride treatment on your teeth? It's a, your insurance doesn't cover it, but it's only 20 bucks. That's a scam, but the dentist, for some reason, people kind of buy into it. But the yeah. flora, have you ever had the fluoride treatment where they course, wipe the yeah. shit on your gums? And mm-hmm. I'm like, if you, so I, I, bad thing to say on stage. Well, I don't know. Maybe bad crowd to say it to. I'm like, have you ever had that? Yeah. It's like if you give someone a blowjob and instead of spitting or swallowing, you just let it cake onto your teeth for three hours. Yeah, I mean, that's a rough thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: a brutal image to deal with. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that might work on Stanhope's crowd. but
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's a good joke. Uh, I just understand why there might be an aversion from people who hear it. Yeah.
0: I think it's solid. Yeah, well, I I got squeamish when I said it, which probably didn't help.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you got to sell that one. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if you want to find out what it tastes like, I'm available in the bathroom after the show. Nice tag. Yep. I didn't tag that, but I might now. Oh, yeah, that's the tag. You got it. I'm going to write that down.
1: You know where I love? I love Florida, and I love, uh, I love Pensacola, and I love Key West. I fucking love Florida, man. I've had a lot of fun in Orlando. I mean, I've had fun all over Florida. Melbourne?
0: Florida rules yeah florida gets a bad rap which which most floridians just kind of lean into the whole florida man thing it's yeah it's like yeah i i i went on i went on some kids podcast in utah and i was telling i was a little drunk uh and i, I was telling them stories and they were just their mouths were hanging open i'm like hey i'm florida man what are you gonna do yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, I have such an affinity for Florida, and I, cause it's like, it just seems like an outlaw place. Like, it's like the last refuge for people who are fleeing their lives anywhere else, and then they have kids, and those kids have kids, so it's just this, like, strange, uh, you know, it's a fucking freak pit, and I love it down there.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun place to live. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's got a, it, it's got such a, and I love, in my city, St. Petersburg, it's got a pretty, nice nightlife downtown it's on the water on two sides of the of the city because we're a peninsula so we've got the beach on this side and the bay on this side so boating is everywhere um you've got the the little nice rural neighborhoods and and you've got the beaches that it's like i've got everything we've got i live less than two miles from tropicana field which looks like a shithole but a major league baseball team plays there for now
1: oh yeah i'm like so weird to me like the fact yeah. that the Jacksonville has a football team, because I guess they were projected to be like one of the top ten cities growth wise, and then that didn't happen. There's like one of the largest cities, like by like volume. I can't remember what it is, but just knowing that the Jacksonville Jaguars exist is always surprising to
0: me. Their city is humongous, like size wise, and Ball-wise, I
1: think, right?
0: Yeah, I think they're the biggest city technically in the state of Florida. Um, this is
1: me off, Jeff.
0: But, well, but Tampa's got St. Pete, which is, like, Tampa's yeah. the third biggest and St. Pete's the fourth biggest. Sure. So it's, like, and they've got Clearwater, which is the home of Scientology, and, like, the seventh biggest. So Tampa Bay area is a bigger hub, I think. Okay. Then I'm guessing.
1: There's some, like, weird zoning issue. Jacksonville's the biggest city in the state.
0: It's huge, and it is a weird city. I took my it son sucks. to a Jaguars game. Yeah. uh the saints were playing up in jacksonville teddy bridgewater was the starting quarterback for that game and uh it Hell was yes. it, it was like we're in jacksonville it's like another hour till we get to the fucking hotel that's <laughs> in the same city yeah yeah it's it's oh, man. weird and then the stadium yeah. was like 45 minutes miami, away i always
1: feel like i feel like i'm not allowed in miami Every time I perform there, I'm like, I'm sorry. I know that uh, I'm not dressed correctly to be standing up here. So, just watch watch the pig eat his shit for 45 minutes, and then you can all go back to whatever foam party or like sex rave you guys came from.
0: You know, I've I've talked to a lot of comedians, and I've heard on I've heard a lot of comedians on other podcasts. I think Mark Normand said said something about this on his podcast uh, that Miami's just not not for every comedian.
1: No, it's just some of the most beautiful, well-dressed people you've ever seen. Like I've never seen people that are like, you know, it's just every beautiful skin tone, every type of woman. It's just crazy. And I, I just, you know, I'm wearing fucking shorts and a Carhartt long sleeve, just feeling bad about myself the whole time I'm on stage.
0: Yeah, see, that would play anywhere in Florida except for Miami.
1: That's why I love Pensacola. That's why I love <laughs> Key West. Yeah, you can, you can look like you woke up on a raft and you're sunburned, and they're like, "Hey, all right, one of us."
0: Well I wore I typically wear uh, black dress shoes, jeans and just a black button up on st- when mm-hmm. I go up and someone's like, "You're really well dressed. I'm like, I think in most places this would be like bare minimum.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you're dressed like a valet, then you're doing the bare minimum for sure <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, no in, uh, in, in Florida it's like you're wearing long, you're wearing jeans.
1: Yeah
0: you, you, there's things that cover your whole leg. <laughs> Yeah, what are you doing, man? Put off your shorts. <laughs> well, I was in, uh, my brother lives in North Florida, closer to Pensacola. Yeah. He's in Gilchrist County. Nobody's ever heard of it. It's by, It's close okay. to Gainesville. Okay. And uh, I went, I, I felt like a hippie because I was wearing flip-flops and shorts. And it's like a farming town. So mm-hmm. everyone's wearing boots and jeans. And I'm. Uh, and people are looking at me funny. I have long hair and I'm like i don't fit in here do i yeah (laughs) that's the other thing about florida it's really diverse
1: yeah don't you guys make the most cattle in the united states
0: i think so um it's a it's north florida and like central florida and south florida are all like they could be three different states they're so different
1: oh 100 yeah that whole like lower alabama area is so bizarre. I've I, I just—if if I ever <laughs> committed an atrocity, like if I ever like accidentally killed my wife and had to flee, you would find me in, in Pensacola Beach. So if I ever move <laughs> to Pensacola Beach, just know that I'm guilty of whatever crime I'm accused of, and please don't tattle on me, listeners.
0: And and, and I do call North Florida South Alabama, by the way. That's... Yeah, they
1: call it LA. They're like, oh, I'm from LA, man. I'm from fucking Destin. I'm from Lower Alabama. It's like, all right, dude. Whatever you got to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's a different type of person. But we're all we're all Florida man, no matter whether we're the oh, yeah. panhandle or the keys.
1: <laughs> I figured it out early how to fit in anywhere in like Alabama, Mississippi or North Florida is just no matter what anyone says to you, you can always respond with you ain't kidding and it just works. <laughs> it works no matter what. You could hear terrible news, good news, you just say you ain't kidding and they're like, Alright, this guy's with it. He's okay.
0: Yeah. Just change the tone. Yeah. It's kinda yeah. like it's kinda like roll damn tide. Just yeah. Chains are—he <laughs> works for anything. Yeah, just need to know when to uh, <laughs> when to use it. Um, I haven't brought up, but I want you to also just mention to the listener uh, the Chubby Behemoth podcast. Oh yeah,
1: man, Chubby Behemoth. Uh, it's uh, me and my best friend Nathan Lund. We've been doing it for a little over a year. We got like fifty episodes on the Patreon, you know, one a week. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a hoot, man. I'm fucking loving it.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's fun. I didn't discover that until I think when you were in Bisbee was the first time I, that I that I actually was like, oh, he actually has his own podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that the second episode we ever did was actually at stanhope's house maybe that was the second patreon but yeah he was like you want to do a swap cast and i'm like of course you can be on my podcast that we've done two episodes of
0: yeah no i don't watching want, <laughs> i don't want stanhope on my podcast why would i do oh, want yeah. that <laughs> yeah, no
1: way what are you talking about you old queen i love calling stanhope an old queen he loves it <laughs> i uh so, so stanhope like uh i was in boston this weekend and stanhope called me i'm opening for him like in in october in philadelphia and everyone has this idea of him as like this like you know emotionless like uh you know id of a man kind of like just a creature of comfort but he is a human being and he cares deeply for his friends and like my mom died a couple weeks ago and stanhope called me and he was like hey you opening? which which day do you open for me in philly and i was like the 19th and he's like all right cool yeah, I heard your mom died a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Are you over it yet?" <laughs> <laughs> so that was his way of, uh, you know, saying he cared about me. You over that shit? <laughs> it's been two weeks. Who cares? <laughs> well, so that's yeah. You're right, man. I, I
0: I am I am sorry to hear that. Oh, um, that's bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that that's on brand with. I mean, I still I don't know that it's my favorite bit of his, but the most powerful stand up bit of all time I think has to be him talking about his mother committing suicide oh yeah I mean that's that's yeah and I I, I, again I don't know if it's my favorite because it's not a real upper but Mm -hmm. but, uh it's like wow he went like wow (laughs) you know
1: he couldn't tell that bit for like Seven years. You didn't say it was like his friend's mom or something.
0: Yeah. Well, that's uh, the first time I heard it. He said that's the first joke I ever had to wait until the statute of limitations told before I could tell it on stage. Well,
1: yeah, and I, I don't think it's because of the assisted suicide. I think it's because he bought himself season tickets to the Cardinals, right?
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, they, yeah, he bought card. a bunch of shit. He 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 maxed yeah. out her credit cards on stuff. Yes. And then I think he in the special where he did that, he tied it back because he was ranting about the whole. Uh, we are the 99% That whole group Back yeah. in the day is like I did something fuckers You guys haven't done anything <laughs> Yeah <laughs> So God he's the man Yeah He, he ties everything together So brilliantly um, Is there um, So for my listeners I'm going to tag everything Of course in the show sure. notes uh, Any Any uh, Last words um, As far as uh, Things you want to plug Anything at all like that
1: Oh no I mean Thanks for having me Jeff This was a blast Uh yeah, you, samtalent.com, S-A-M-T-A-L-L-E-N-T has uh, you know, all my tour dates, um, has my book, you can buy my book on there, uh, listen to my podcast, Chubby Behemoth, and a new thing that I'm pretty fired up about is uh, I'm doing this thing where if you pay like $8.99 a month, I'm sending out something I wrote that month, and now I'm also including something from other people because I got a publishing company called Too Big to Fail. So people have been sending me all types of cool stuff that maybe I'll publish, and I'm sending it out in the mail. Uh, you get you know, a story from me, and then you get a story that I liked and I think you should read, and I'm really fucking stoked on it, man. Uh, it's been fun. We've done two so far, and uh, they go out the 18th of every month. So if you want to sign up for that, you can get that on samtalent.com as well.
0: Oh, okay. Excellent. I didn't yeah. know about that. I'll, I'll I'll, look into that, and I'll, I'll link it.
1: Yeah, yeah, thanks, man.
0: Yeah, well, Sam, thank you so much. Again, I, I felt like I had to ask you to come on because I've I've talked about your book so many times. I feel like it's only fair that they get to hear from you.
1: <laughs> oh, Jeff, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, congratulations on all the cool things you're doing. Yeah. The Kenny Powers shit's going to rule, dude. I'm so <laughs> excited for you.
0: I will I will make sure I have pictures taken, and I will send you uh, the results of the evening.
1: <laughs> yeah, please do. And also, like, you got to get the voice down. you got to get, like, four things that he can say and just have those in the rotation.
0: Yeah, the only thing I got so far was the w- You're fucking out, but yep. but I got I got to get I you're right. I, I've got to study some game film.
1: Yeah, I think, like, uh, there's the Pope Fuck Little Boys. That's a good one. If you do ask you a question, you can throw that one in there. Yeah, you you've got, you got to watch it. And, uh, get that together, man, because that's going to be fucking epic.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going Method. It's not going to yeah, be me. No, it's going to be Kenny yeah. Powers.
1: Oh, yeah, dude. Yes. And start on Thursday. Like, find every Halloween party you can go to and just wheeze
0: the juice out of that lemon.
1: <laughs> you only got this year, man. Yeah, you can't live the, your life as Kenny Powers.
0: Yo, this air shit air is air. getting cut November first.
1: <laughs> father, all right, Jeff, you gotta get rid of that fucking rat tail collection you had back then.
0: <laughs> Amen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, dude. I'm glad this was uh, this was fun.
0: Yeah, man, thanks so much, Sam. Of course, brother.
1: Recording in progress.
0: Well, that was it. That was the end Uh, Me and Sam Talent I thank him so much for coming on I had so much fun talking to him Uh, Really funny dude uh, Really personable Buy his goddamn book at samtalent.com Go to the links Uh, Again, I'm not lending this book to people um, Because Angelique still has my Ron Paul book From like 2014 that I loaned to her So I don't loan books to people That I want to read again anymore <laughs> um, hey, if you haven't, I hope you enjoyed this. Subscribe, uh, follow, uh, uh, and follow me on the social medias, and follow him on the social medias. I'll I'll link that too. Uh, I'm at Saint J Mac on Twitter and Instagram, the Jeff Macalino podcast on Facebook, and uh, if you want video, subscribe to the YouTube channel because I'm only gonna do it if I start getting subscribers. So do that, uh, if you would be so kind, and, uh, hope you enjoy this episode, I sure did, uh, I'll definitely have to have a Halloween recap episode, I might need to, like, recruit, uh, friends who were at the places to kind of help tell stories of what happened, because I may have a few too many, uh, drinky poos, so, all right, thanks for listening, I love you all, bye.